Unless otherwise indicated, all scripture quotations are taken from the Holy Bible. New Living Translation, copyright 1996-2004-2015 by Tyndale House Foundation. Used by permission of Tyndale House Publishers, Carol Stream, Illinois 60188. All rights reserved. Well, hello there, and welcome to Bible in a Year with Bill. My name is Bill, and this is March 24th. We're on day 83 of our journey through the Word this year. Today, we're going to be continuing Joshua, reading Joshua chapters 18, 19, and 20. And then we're going to finish off today's reading with 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So let's get right into it. Joshua chapter 18. Now that the land was under Israelite control, the entire community of Israel gathered at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle. But there remained seven tribes who had not yet been allotted their grants of land. Then Joshua asked them, How long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors has given to you? Select three men from each tribe, and I will send them out to explore the land and map it out. They will then return to me with a written report of their proposed divisions of their new homeland. Let them divide the land into seven sections, excluding Judah's territory in the south and Joseph's territory in the north. And when you record the seven divisions of the land and bring them to me, I will cast sacred lots in the presence of the Lord our God to assign land to each tribe." The Levites, however, will not receive any allotment of land. Their role as priests of the Lord is their allotment. And the tribes of Gad, Reuben, and the half-tribe of Manasseh won't receive any more land, for they have already received their grant of land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them on the east side of the Jordan River. As the men started on their way to map out the land, Joshua commanded them, Go and explore the land and write a description of it. Then return to me, and I will assign the land to the tribes by casting sacred lots here in the presence of the Lord at Shiloh. The men did as they were told and mapped the entire territory into seven sections, listing the towns in each section. They made a written record and then returned to Joshua in the camp at Shiloh. And there at Shiloh, Joshua cast sacred lots in the presence of the Lord to determine which tribe should have each section. The first allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. It lay between the territory assigned to the tribes of Judah and Joseph. The northern boundary of Benjamin's land began at the Jordan River, went north of the slope of Jericho, then west through the hill country and the wilderness of Beth-Avon. From there the boundary went south to Luz, that is Bethel, and proceeded down to Adaroth-Adar on the hill that lies south of lower Beth-Horon. The boundary then made a turn and swung south along the western edge of the hill facing Beth-Horon, ending at the village of Kiriath-Baal, that is Kiriath-Jerim, a town belonging to the tribe of Judah. This was the western boundary. The southern boundary began at the outskirts of Kiriath-Jerim. From that western point, it, went, it ran to the spring at the waters of Nephtoah, and down to the base of the mountain beside the valley of Ben-Hinnom, at, at the northern end of the valley of Rephaim. From there it went down the valley of Hinnom, crossing south of the slope where the Jebusites lived, and continued down to En-Rogel. From En-Rogel the boundary proceeded in a northerly direction and came to En-Shemesh, and on to Geliloth, which is across from the slopes of Adumim. 
Then it went down to the stone of Bohan. Bohan was Reuben's son. From there it passed along the north side of the slope overlooking the Jordan Valley. The border then went down into the valley, ran past the north slope of Beth Hogla, and ended at the north bay of the Dead Sea, which is the southern end of the Jordan River. This was the southern boundary. The eastern boundary was the Jordan River. These were the boundaries of the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. These were the towns given to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. Jericho, Beth Hogla, Emekaziz, Beth Araba, Zemariam, Bethel, Avim, Pera, Ophra, Kephar, Ammoni, Ophni, and Geba, twelve towns with their surrounding villages. Also Gibeon, Ramah, Biroth, Mizpah, Kephira, Moza, Rechem, Erpil, Terala, Zila, Hayeleph, the Jebusite town, that is Jerusalem, Gibeah, and Kiriath Jerim, fourteen towns with their surrounding villages. This was the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Benjamin. Joshua, chapter 19. The second allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Simeon. Their homeland was surrounded by Judah's territory. Simeon's homeland included Beersheba, Sheba, Moladah, Hazar Shual, Bela, Ezem, Eltalad, Bethul, Hormah, Ziklag, Beth Markaboth, Hazar Susa, Beth Lebeoth, and Sharuhen, thirteen towns with their surrounding villages. It also included Ain, Rimon, Ether, and Ashan, four towns with their villages, including all the surrounding villages as far south as Baalath Beer, also known as Ramah of the Negev. This was the homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Simeon. Their allocation of land came from part of what had been given to Judah, because Judah's territory was too large for them. So the tribe of Simeon received an allocation within the territory of Judah. The third allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Zebulun. The boundary of Zebulun's homeland started at Sarid. From there it went west, going past Merilah, touching Dabasheth, and proceeding to the brook east of Jochneum. In the other direction, the boundary went east from Sarid to the border of Kisloth-Tabor, and from there to Deborath and up to Jephiah. Then it continued east to Gath-Hefer, Eth-Kazin, and Rimon, and turned toward Neah. The northern boundary of Zebulun passed Hanathon and ended at the valley of Iphtah-El. The towns in these areas included Katath, Nahalel, Shimron, Idalah, and Bethlehem, twelve towns with their surrounding villages. The homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Zebulun included these towns and their surrounding villages. The fourth allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Issachar. Its boundaries included the following towns, Jezreel, Kesuloth, Shunem, Hapharaim, Shion, Anaharath, Rabith, Kishion, Ebez, Remeth, Enganim, Enhadah, and Beth-Pazez. The boundary also touched Tabor, Shahazuma, and Beth-Shemesh, ending at the Jordan River, sixteen towns with their surrounding villages. The homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Issachar included these towns and their surrounding villages. The, land, the fifth allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Asher. Its boundaries included these towns, Helkath, Hali, Beten, Akshaf, Alamelech, Ahmad, and Mishal. The boundary on the west touched Carmel and Shihor-Libnath. Then it turned east toward Beth-Dagon and ran as far as Zebulun in the valley of Iphtah-El, going north to Beth-Amech and Niel. 
Then it continued north to Kabul, Abdon, Rehob, Haman, Kana, and as far as Greater Sidon. Then the boundary turned toward Ramah and the fortress of Tyre, where it turned toward Hosa and came to the Mediterranean Sea. The territory also included Mehebel, Akzib, Uma, Afek, and Rehob, 22 towns with their surrounding villages. The homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Asher included these towns and their surrounding villages. The sixth allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Naphtali. Its boundary ran from Helef, from the oak at Zeanim, Zeananim, and extended across to Adami Nekeb, Jabneel, and as far as Lakum, ending at the Jordan River. The western boundary ran past Asnoth Tabor, then to Hukok, and touched the border, border of Zebulun in the south, the border of Asher on the west, and the Jordan River on the east. The fortified towns included in this territory were Zidim, Zer, Hamath, Rakath, Kenareth, Adama, Rama, Hazor, Kadesh, Idre, Enhazor, Yiron, Migdal El, Horem, Bethanath, and Beth Shemash, 19 towns with their surrounding villages. The homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Naphtali included these towns and their surrounding villages. The seventh allotment of land went to the clans of the tribe of Dan. The land allocated as their homeland included the following towns, Zorah, Eshteol, Ir Shemesh, Shealabin, Aijalon, Ithla, Elon, Timna, Ekron, Eltike, Gibbethon, Bealath, Jehud, Beneberak, Gathrimon, Mijarkon, Rakon, and the territory across from Joppa. But the tribe of Dan had trouble taking possession of their land, so they attacked the town of Laish. They captured it, slaughtered its people, and settled there. They renamed the town Dan after their ancestor. The homeland allocated to the clans of the tribe of Dan included these towns and their surrounding villages. After all the land was divided among the tribes, the Israelites gave a piece of land to Joshua as his allocation, for the Lord had said he could have any town he wanted. He chose Timnath-Serah in the hill country of Ephraim. He rebuilt the town and lived there. These are the territories that Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the tribal leaders allocated as grants of land to the tribes of Israel by casting sacred lots in the presence of the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle at Shiloh. So the division of the land was completed. Joshua chapter 20 The Lord said to Joshua, now tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge, as I instructed Moses. Anyone who kills another person accidentally and unintentionally can run to one of these cities. They will be places of refuge from relatives seeking revenge for the person who was killed. Upon reaching one of these cities, the one who caused the death will appear before the elders at the city gate and present his case. They must allow him to enter the city and give him a place to live among them. If the relatives of the victim come to avenge the killing, the leaders must not release the slayer for them, for he killed the other person unintentionally and without previous hostility. But the slayer must stay in that city and be tried by the local assembly, which will render a judgment, and he must continue to live in that city until the death of the high priest who was in office at the time of the accident. After that, he is free to return to his own home in the town from which he fled." The following cities were designated as cities of refuge, Kadesh of Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that is, Hebron in the hill country of Judah.
On the east side of the Jordan River, across from Jericho, the following cities were designated. Bezer, in the wilderness plain of the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead, in the territory of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan, in the land of the tribe of Manasseh. These cities were set apart for all the Israelites as well as the foreigners living among them. Anyone who accidentally killed another person could take refuge in one of these cities. In this way, they could escape being killed in revenge prior to standing trial before the local assembly. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think I am not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. This is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a believing wife with us as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion, or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says, You must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us, so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Yet I have never used any of these rights, and I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. Yet, preaching the good news is not something I can boast about. I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. If I were doing this on my own initiative, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. What then is my pay? It is the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived, lived under that law. Even though I am not subject, subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. 
Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I should or what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. Thank you for your perfect word. What do we expect in return for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there payment for us? Should those who we share with cook us big meals and give us comfortable places to sleep? Can we expect our savings account to grow if we decide to hit the road as a traveling evangelist? No, no, and no. In fact, there's a good chance that quitting my job to share the gospel full-time on the streets will most likely cause my savings account to dwindle very quickly. So what should we do? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved also has the duty, obligation, and privilege to also go out and share the love of Jesus Christ to everyone. But how do we support ourselves? Hmm, let me think. Is it necessary for each of us to drop everything, hop on a plane, and go teach Sunday school in the Amazon rainforest? Of course not. Although if that's something Jesus put in your heart, he will provide a way for you to do that. We all have a mission field right outside our front door, at work, at school, driving the neighbor's kids to hockey practice. Let's share the gospel everywhere because we love Jesus and he loves us. Thank you for joining me here today on Bible in a Year with Bill. You know, you can check out our um, Facebook page if you haven't done that already. It's uh, Bible in a Year with Bill on Facebook. Now, like I've said before, I'm not real active on there, but it's a, it's a great way to get in touch with other listeners, other people who are here on this journey with us. And once in a while, I'll post something silly or something serious or something spiritual. You know how Facebook can be. Anyway, my friends, thank you for joining me here today on Bible in a Year with Bill. I hope to see you tomorrow. Take care now.